What's up? This is Greg Schnoes, host of the Bevo Broadcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Do us a favor, like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating for the podcast if you could, please. We would definitely appreciate you doing so. Well, usually I've started these off very happy, very excited, optimistic, beating the brakes off Oklahoma a few weeks ago. That was fantastic. Shutting them out, just beating them down every which way. And then Iowa State, tough game, trap game. Everybody says, oh, Texas can't win these games. They always find a way to show up for the big ones. But these, this one, it's an early start. Iowa State's got a great defense. Yeah, yeah, uh, all that stuff, right? And Texas wins. So I was optimistic about the season, especially here in the past few weeks. I was like, wow, this thing is turning a corner. You can hate on it all you want. You can deny it all you want. But the facts are the facts, and they are turning a corner. And then last weekend happened. I'm not going to lie. This one's going to be really hard to do. I have been just distraught, upset, just plain confused. Like, how does this keep happening? Why does this keep happening? I mean, and this, this, I mean, I can go any number of directions with this podcast, and I'm going to point out a lot of things because, unfortunately, Texas is off this week. There is no game that we can go, oh, yeah, this is this, this, and this. Okay, yeah, and let's talk about next week. They're off this week. So, unfortunately, we are stuck with this just, uh, you want to get the taste out of your mouth. I guarantee they did not want to go to a bye week with this, with this kind of just bad, just ugh. nothing good. I mean, honestly, there's really, I, I can't. Uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try real hard. But obviously, they're off this week. They got K-State on the road November 5th to be announced for the time. We don't know yet. Hopefully, it's a later start. Like It matters. But anyways, so we don't have the – we can't just talk about this for then move on to the next thing. Unfortunately, we got to talk about this one, and there's a lot of bad. And honestly, I don't even know where to start other than let's just get into it. Um Sark, what is the issue? Why does this keep happening with you as a head coach, whether it was University of Washington, USC, and now Texas, Steve Sarkeesian has problems with coaching games on the road. This is an abysmal record that he has at Texas, unfortunately, with games on the road, with leads on the road. It's not like they're just going in there and just – I mean, I don't know if it would be any better if you went in there and you just got, you know, blown out from the jump, from the opening whistle, and you lose you know, 49 to nothing, let's say. But when you're in it and you're playing good and you're making plays in the first half and Bijan's ripping off big runs and guys are wide open for touchdowns and everything's looking good in the first half, and then the second half happens, and then it's just what is going wrong? Why does this keep happening, Sarkeesian? This has to stop. Otherwise, you'll be out of a job. I'm not calling for the guy's job. I'm not saying he should get fired. But if he can't rectify this, he will not last at Texas or any. I don't care where you're coaching. I don't care if he's coaching at Toledo. I don't care if he's coaching at Northern Colorado. Like, it does not matter. If you, as a head coach, cannot 
get your team through a full four quarters consistently, and this problem keeps repeating itself, I don't care if it's a high school coach. You will not have that job for very long if you cannot conduct a football team through four four quarters and win. It's just it doesn't make any sense. I can't figure out for the life of me why this keeps happening. And I'm, I'm I want to be positive. I want to say, hey, you know, this will be fine. Or, but I mean, let's just get into it. <laughs> it's just okay. Where to start? Where to start? Uh, Let's see here. Let's see here. All right. We'll start with the running game. Averaging 6.4 yards a carry, running for over 200 yards. And then in the second half, I mean, that's for the whole game, but the vast majority of that was the first half. What happened in the second half? Is Oklahoma State making such adjustments that you can't adjust also? You have two great running backs. Bijan, as I've said many times, is the best running back in this conference, one of the best in the country. I mean, I, I said it in the UTSA game where they're going to run trick plays, which they did. They're going to run onside kicks, which they did. You have to be prepared for these certain kind of things and those kind of matchups. So point is, run the ball, kill the clock, shorten the game. You know what I mean? You're wearing their defense out. If you're going eight, nine, ten play drives, taking four, five, six, seven minutes off the clock, Wearing that defense out, just keep running it. Just punch them in the mouth. Punch them in the mouth. Offensive linemen love that. And then for some reason, it just Texas can't make it happen. Quinn Ewers looked awful. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, he could. He should have had a touchdown. Xavier Worthy trips over his own feet at the end, which maybe you get it tied, get it to overtime. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. We're not playing that game. I'm tired of hearing about it personally. But the second half was Sark and closing games out and collapsing the second half. When you're running, been able to run the ball. If you can't adjust, if the other team makes adjustments and now you're trying to run this play that's been getting you four or five, six yards a pop and now you're getting nothing, well, then that means you need to do something different. You can't just keep shoving a square peg in a round hole, so to speak, and it's not working. You have to adjust. And if that's what's happening, then Sarkeesian, then Texas has got a big problem on their hands. That the coach that might not be able to do that for whatever reason. Now, I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not in the meetings, but I can just see all these leads on the second halves that are blown, and it looks really bad. Really bad. And I mean, am I overreacting with everything that I'm saying here? I don't know because I've seen this for so many years now. I mean, if you, it, it, I actually crunched the numbers from 2010 to current to literally this past weekend. Texas against Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma State has won 19 games and lost 30. Let me repeat that. Since 2010, Texas has gone 19 and 30 against Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor. Two of those are small private schools. Another one of those is a small school in farm country that's not a football power. And the other one is the little brother of one of your biggest rivals in Oklahoma State. Point is, none of these are football powers. None of these are schools that you should lose to over and over again. But they are. Doesn't matter with what coaching, it seems like. I'm, uh, and that's another thing that I want to hit on. What is Sark's infatuation with throwing it to deep Xavier Word to Xavier Word? Over and over and over and over. It's not working. Do something else. 
it's just beyond frustrating. The kid is running 30, 40, 50 yards downfield, and Quinn Ewers can't hit him. Quinn Ewers was just accuracy. Even in the Iowa State game, he looked off. And I said in the beginning of the year, temper your expectation. And maybe I got a little ahead of myself. Maybe I should have listened to my own advice because the Alabama game looked great until he got hurt. Then Oklahoma, he looked fantastic. I mean, there's he's putting throws in as such tight windows. He's accurate. He's putting where he – I mean, he looked like the guy that was the number one overall recruit and the five-star guy that everybody pegged him to be. These last two weeks, he just – is it he's just a freshman, obviously – He's going to have some growing pains, which I said would happen. Is that what we are seeing now? Did we put the cart way before the horse from what we saw in these past few weekends? Maybe, maybe. But Xavier Worthy has to get the football in his hands, and there's got to be other ways than throwing it 50 yards down the field every single time. That's coaching. That's Sark. He's the guy calling the plays. He's the one scheming this stuff up. Get the guy in space. Run some bubble screens, run a short cross, run a drag route. Like the touchdown he got to seal the win against uh, Iowa State, that little quick in and out, whatever the official title of that uh, route is, I don't know. But he shook the guy for Iowa State. I mean, he left his jock on the, you know, on the hash, closer to the ash when Worthy broke out to the corner, to the pylon and scored. If he's got that kind of ability, get him the ball in space. Keep him within those first five yards. I don't understand. That's another thing with Sark. It's just driving me crazy to the point where, like, Quinn Ewers cannot hit him deep yet. You keep calling it. Why? You know, it's like the only thing I could think is, like, if you play DFS, like DraftKings, like I do, and you're putting lineups together and there's a guy that that has a good matchup, but for whatever reason, he's never done well for you. And you keep playing them and you keep playing them and you keep playing them and it just doesn't work out. Now, I know that's kind of a silly comparison, but my point is when you just have this feeling about something so strongly that it should work, maybe common sense and maybe logic gets kind of thrown out the window. And you're like, again, what I say earlier, square peg in a round hole. That's what Texas is doing essentially with Worthy because why are they just insistent on throwing it over and over and over so deep when it's not working? Why? I, I just don't understand it. It really, I mean, it boggles my mind. I mean, I mean, here's another thing. For, you can just even carry over from the week before. Oklahoma State gained six first downs on Texas penalties. Texas was two of 16 on third downs, was zero for two on fourth downs. That, right there. I even, I think I tweeted it or put it on my Facebook that Oklahoma State was being kept in this game by Texas penalties. The way that Texas was moving the ball and scoring in the first half, they should have won this game easily. They are the better team, top to bottom. Honestly, now after this game and after that performance, you can say whatever, but on paper, Texas has got the better roster. And they should win this game. And the way they were going up and down the field, but they get another bad penalty. They can't get off the field on third down once again on defense. And Oklahoma State gets these drives extended due to dumb penalties. And... I don't know. It's it just, I don't know. I have a funny feeling another players only meeting is probably going to be happening this week and be reported. What good comes from those? I really don't know. Um, but you're able to run the ball. You're able to score. Your defense can't get off the field. You can't convert third downs. Quinn Ewers completed like 19, I think out of 49 passes. If he's not accurate and he's not able to complete these balls, quit again, adjust Sark. 
change your approach. You have all these playmakers on offense. Jatavian Sanders seemed like he was non-existent until the very end. You mean to tell me that he was just not part of the game plan? If that's so, then that's just crazy. I don't know why would you do that. Did Oklahoma State come into that defensively saying, we got to stop Sanders and just don't worry about Bijan, don't worry about uh, Xavier Worthy? I doubt it. Jordan Winnington doesn't seem to get enough targets. It's like you have all this talent. Use it in different ways. And I think Sarkeesian's just stuck that he's this is the way it's going to work, and this is what I see on film. And, you know, damn the torpedoes, so to speak. That's, you know, or excuse me, damn the icebergs or whatever. Torpedoes both. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I can't figure it out. It, it's just so frustrating as a Texas fan that for so many years this keeps happening and happening. And, I mean, the Big 12 title was all but dead for Texas. I don't even know what it would take for it to happen, but it's over with. I mean, Deshaun Jameson got burned on an early uh, play pretty badly. I, I mean, for a guy that's senior, that's seen a lot of things, and that that's inexcusable. I mean, Bijan averages 5.8 per carry. I mean, 16 targets for Xavier Worthy, only four completions. Quit forcing it, Sark. It's not working. Is that Sark doing that? Is that Ewers doing that? If it's Ewers, then Sark needs to rein him in and go, look, we need to do something different. Go look for Sanders. Go look for Whittington. Dump it off to Bijan or Roshan, something. Because this it's just not working. How many times did the overthrow completely miss him by a mile? I mean, after Texas took a two-touchdown lead late in the uh, second quarter, they got outscored 24-3 to for the rest of the game. They get the ball to start the second half. Uh, excuse me, Oklahoma State got the ball to start the second half. They go three and out. Texas gets the ball, gets a good punt return from Worthy. They're set up in midfield. They go three and out. They punt. Pin Oklahoma State deep. They don't get anything. They go three and out again. Texas gets pretty good field position on the second series of the second half. Go three and out. When that happened, I said to myself, this is not good. And all this bad mojo about the second half, they go three and out twice after having really good field position to start the second half. You're up on the road. Stomp on their throat. And if it takes running the ball eight times, so be it. I mean, I don't know if these coaches, not just Sark, but just in general, the way the game is played now, everybody is just so enamored with throwing it deep, throwing it all over the yard. I mean, I guess running the football between the tackles ain't sexy no more. But again, like I said last week, I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day. Get the offensive lineman getting after people, firing off, don't have to pass block. That's what they want to do. Use their strengths. Get after people. Shorten the game up. Run shorter patterns. Run shorter routes. If the deep stuff ain't working, then you got to adjust. It's just beyond frustrating. I, I, I'm trying to sound positive, but I just can't after this. I just can't. I mean, Texas ran it 32 times. 32. Roshan averaged 14.6 yards of carry. Now, I understand he didn't have as many as Roche, as uh, Bijan, but he averaged almost six. What happened in the second half that that just disappears from your offense? That shouldn't happen. Uh, I mean, it, it's just it's just tough, and I'm not sure where to go from here. It's a tough schedule the rest of the way. You're at Kansas State, and even with Texas's best teams. Throughout the years, playing in Manhattan has always been a difficult uh, 
place to play. So you're staring that in the face. And then you're home against TCU, who, oh, by the way, is undefeated in the top 10, knocking on the door of the top five. That one looks really tough. At least it's in Austin. But then you got at Kansas. I'm not so much worried about Kansas. I know there's a lot of people that got super excited about them earlier in the year, and I just thought that was just playing crazy. It's Kansas, people. It is Kansas football. Sure, it was a cool story and it was for a couple of weeks, but if you really thought this team was going to be able to compete and sustain what they were doing throughout the entire conference schedule, I, I just didn't see that happening in any way, shape, or form. You know, give them a credit and give their coaches credit for them having obviously been noticeably better and improving and turning that program around. I mean, when you're pretty much at the absolute bottom, there's only up, you know, you can only go up. You can only rise. You can't fall any further. So give them credit for making Kansas a better team. But to think that Kansas was going to be anything like best team of the conference or compete for a championship is just, you're just lying to yourself. They are not that good. They don't have those athletes and they never have. And I don't know how many years. So sure. They beat Texas a couple times. I'm sure there's people saying out there, well, you know, they did this. Well, okay, great. They're you know, underachieving Texas teams that they've beat. Congratulations. But as a whole for an entire season, Kansas is not going to, as it sits right now, they're five and three. They'll get to a bowl game. I'm sure here before, I don't know what the rest of their schedule is, but congratulations to them. The program's turning a corner. Their coach is probably not going to be there in the next two, three years at the most. Some big name school will lose his fire. It's coach and he'll be gone. So for their moment in the sun will be fleeting, but they'll be back to where they normally dwell, which is the big 12 <laughs> basement. Uh, <laughs> so and then Texas plays Baylor for the end, of, you know, the day after Thanksgiving in Austin. So Kansas State's no pushover. TCU's uh, it's not looking good. Is if you know if I'm picking a gun to my head right now, I'm taking TCU in that game, even though it's in Austin. Just because Texas is just, I don't know. It's it just you. After all the nonsense that happened after last year, like I said in the beginning of these podcasts that I started doing in the summer before the season even started, have manage your expectations, kind of tap the brakes a little bit. They're not winning the conference championship. If they got there, that'd be great, but I'd be shocked. I think that's kind of what I said, but I think myself included got way too excited, thought yours is the guy. Things are changing. They're turning the corner. They won that tough game against Iowa State. So for me, I thought things were looking like, okay, Get through this bye week, get to this bye week, and then you have this four-game stretch at where you're on the road home, on the road home. And, I mean, no offense to either Kansas State or Kansas. Those aren't exactly um, crazy, tough environments to play in on the road. So I guess that helps Texas. Maybe they can get off this skid of these games on the road. But at this point, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma State's not the biggest stadium, but that I would say at all the conference teams in the conference, Oklahoma State has probably a very underrated home field advantage. It's a stadium that's right on top of you. There, those paddles are beating against the wall. I've heard uh, people that cover Texas say when they first went out there for a game, how their head was just like their ears were ringing for like two days afterwards. My buddy, who used to be a linebacker at Texas back in the late nineties. When I asked him when we did a podcast together this summer, I said, what was the loudest place you played at? And this is a guy that, you know, when they played, 
when he was in Texas, they played in the Big 12 championship game against Nebraska, 96 for the first year of the Big 12 championship. Texas won. Uh, obviously, Kyle Field, Cotton Bowl, Texas OU. They played at the Rose Bowl. Well, he was there against UCLA, and I know they have no – nobody seems to go to Pac-12 games, which is crazy. Uh, on the road to Virginia, he said was really loud. You know, Lubbock is a smaller place, but it's a crazy environment when you play there, when you show up as a Longhorn. But he said out of all the stadiums that he played at, he said Oklahoma State was the loudest. And I was like, really? I kind of was taken by by that answer. And I was just like, was it because – and before I could even finish the sentence, he goes, it's because – this is exact quote. This isn't me just trying to clean it up or anything, but he said, it's those freaking paddles. It is nonstop with those freaking paddles. <laughs> They're just beating on them and beating on them and beating on the wall with those paddles. The entire game, they do not stop. So uh, I was really surprised to hear that of all the places that he played at in his college career, the Stillwater, which, again, didn't surprise me when he said it. But So, yeah, no offense to Manhattan or Lawrence, Kansas, but those aren't exactly – if you're going to say the most intimidating places to play a road game in college football, neither one of those is going to be anywhere near the top of the list. I get Kansas is better. I get they beat Texas last year. And Kansas State is a better team this year. But, yeah, I don't know. All I can hope for is with this Texas team, Quinn Ewers and Sark can get on the same page. Maybe they can stop trying to throw deep every single time to Xavier Worthy, get the guy, get him in space. I mean, I think of the game against Oklahoma last year, first play of the game in the Cotton Bowl. It was Casey Thompson just – it was like a not even a wide receiver screen. He just quickly threw it out to the uh, to the sideline uh, where they, you know made his guy miss, and then he got a block from the other receiver, and he took off, and he was gone. Took it like 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. I mean, there's games where he caught like 10 or 12 passes last year. I get if you're trying to feed him 16 targets, but if every one of those targets is like 30, 40 yards down the field and it's not working, then scratch the – you know. Tear that page out of the playbook, Sark, and throw it in the garbage can. It's not working. Do something different. Send Whittington on a deep route. Keep Xavier Worthy short. Throw Jatavian Sanders on a deep route. But Sark is a better play, play caller than me. I'm not trying to claim here that I can run offense better, but I'm just saying just from a standpoint of what I'm seeing with my own eyes, if it's not working, you got to do something different. And hopefully going into this bye week, things – I mean, it's coming at the right time. This, this has to be an eye open for Texas. I don't know if maybe they're reading their own press, their own headlines saying like, hey, hey, you guys are well, what woulda, coulda, shoulda against Alabama. And if viewers doesn't hurt, you're this, that. And I've kind of said the same thing where to kind of support the argument of like, quit saying this team's going to fail, quit saying they're going to choke, quit saying they're going to fall on their face because they're not doing that. They're getting better. They're, they're turning that corner. And then they lay this performance out last Saturday. So – I mean, Danny, uh, what is it, uh, Trejo, the punter, did a fabulous job putting the ball pinned in Oklahoma State deep on uh, many uh, punts, so give him credit. He did his part. Bijan, Roshan, they run the ball great. First half, got TDs. You know, just Sark was able to uh, come up with some great plays. There was one where uh, Ewers threw a pass to Bijan where he kind of was like almost like a circle route or something, uh, maybe a wheel route, excuse me, out of the backfield, and – he wasn't even looking for the ball. Ewers got a little bit of pressure, and he threw it early. And uh, by the time Bijan turned around, the ball was already bouncing off behind him, you know, incomplete. They ran it. Texas ran that exact same play on the next series. It must have been, like, late first quarter because it was going. they were going the other direction when they ran it the second time, and Bijan caught an easy TD. And I was like, oh, that's the exact same thing. So they saw something there that worked, and it worked when it was executed properly. But it, it's, you know. 
I don't want to sound all doom and gloom, Longhorn fans. I, I, I'm sorry if I'm sounding that way, but it, this one really hurt. This one was tough. Hopefully, they get their stuff together, so to speak, on this off week. And they all know. They all realize what they're doing. I mean, you got to wrap up. No, that's one more thing, and I'll end this. <laughs> Jade Barron, if you hear this, <laughs> or anybody that hears this might know him personally, please tell him from the bottom of my heart, Stop trying to rip the ball out for 30 yards from a ball carrier. There was a play, I want to say it was the second quarter, where uh, a Cowboys running back comes, busts through the line, and he's kind of taking it towards left, and uh, Jade Barron comes to the secondary and hits him, but he's he's like, like looks like he's hugging him, and he's not trying to wrap up and bring him to the ground. He keeps constantly like grabbing at the ball, grab, like trying to strip it and pull it out. I'm like, what are you doing? I can't repeat what I said. Uh, because we're keeping these uh, PG on here on the uh, Bevo broadcast of part of the Heartland College Sports Pod Cut, uh, Podcast Network. I'm sorry there. Bevo broadcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. There we go. But I was screaming with everything I had at the TV, just tackle them to the darn ground <laughs> because I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I think I'm going to come up with this business and I'm going to go to all these colleges and uh, high schools across the country, and I'm going to be like, you know, I have all these quarterback gurus that go around teaching these kids, oh, this, or, you know, do this and do that, all this private coaching. I'm going to become the tackling guy, and I'm going to put a helmet and shoulder pads on, and I'm going to go, coach, who's your best player? Who's your fastest guy? And I'm like, okay. Then we're going to do a one-on-one, and I'm going to grab him. I'm going to wrap up. And I'm going to put my wrap on one of my arms around his legs and go take off running fast as you can go. And guess what's going to happen? He's not going to be able to run as fast because there's another human being holding on to one of his legs. And Jade Barron, you cannot try to strip the ball as the guy's still running down the field. I really, I literally watched that play like three times. He ran for 30 more yards after the initial contact. If it was me, if I'm calling defense of Texas, that kid gets benched. That kid does not play the rest of the game. You cannot let somebody run for 30 yards after contact because you refuse to tackle because you're trying to do this stupid rip the ball out nonsense. I mean, Sports Center has ruined tackling so many times that I, regardless if you like Texas or not, but I guarantee if you watch football, you have seen it time and again where guys don't wrap up. They try to do this shoulder tackle nonsense. The guy keeps running. You're on the ground and he's still running. What, what kind of sense does that make? If you wrap up and wrap his legs up, or if you just hold on for dear life for one, there's 10 other guys on your defense that will catch up to him fairly quickly because his his ability to run at top speed is now severely limited because he has another human being holding on to one of his legs. And he might continue with all his might to try to move forward, but it is drastically slowed down. So maybe I should do that. We'll be a millionaire in no time. <laughs> this is how you tackle. Not this shoulder knots. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. I get it. When you hit somebody with the shoulder and the whole crowd's like, ooh, and everybody, you know, it gets everybody hyped and excited, that's cool, that's great. But tackling somebody to the ground is just as cool and as great. Might not get the crowd hype, might not get get you on Sports Center, but your job as a defensive player is to bring people to the ground, not give 30 yards of field position up because you're doing something stupid that's not working. And there's really no other way to put it. I'm sorry if that sounds a little harsh, but it's like, you cannot allow that. If you're a coach, you, you have to coach that out of these kids. And 
and that just blew my mind. 30 plus yards after initial contact, John A. Barrett. So stop doing that, please. <laughs> Give me a heart attack. Many other Texas fans will appreciate it as well, I'm sure. So yeah, bye weeks coming up. Things will get better. They'll regroup. Uh, but right out of the gate, they got to go on the road again to Kansas State. Uh, Texas, you know, like I said, it's not one of the toughest road environments in all of college football, but it will be for Texas this weekend because they know what just happened. All the pressures on Texas, they know exactly what's being said. They know exactly what everybody has been talking about for this entire last year. You can't win on the road. You always choke. Even the Texas Tech coach afterwards when they beat Texas in overtime said, I told you they would quit. I told you they would crumble. Something along those facts on direct quote, but it's like paraphrasing. But that's your reputation, Texas and Sarkeesian, that your teams can't finish on the road. So they got to come out with a different mindset. They got to come out with, you know, we want to change. We got to do better. And until then, just like I've said with Kansas, until you can prove you can compete in a Big 12 week in, week in, week in and week out, yeah, they beat Oklahoma. Excuse me, they lost to Oklahoma. But, yeah, who did they beat early? That was uh, like a big shocker. I don't know. I think just the fact that Kansas is winning, period. But uh, point is, Kansas, I will not take you seriously, seriously until you can compete in the Big 12 Conference on a football level, not basketball, football. <laughs> if you can come in and win consistently, compete for a big conference championship in the Big 12, then I'll believe in Kansas football. Until then, what happened this year is an anomaly, and they've fallen back to earth because they've lost how many games in a row now? So until then, same thing with Texas. Until you can prove you can go on the road, punch somebody in the mouth for four quarters, and hold that lead and run out the clock until the clock hits all zeros and Texas is up and gets the W, and everybody's singing the eyes of Texas with a smile on their face, and you're going home like, all right, let's get back to Austin. What a great win. Until then, you're going to have your doubters. And I think that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. I want Texas to just regroup, get to this next game, go out on the road, hit K-State in the mouth, get after them, keep scoring, pour it on, do not let up. One thing I hated about Bob Stoops when he was at Oklahoma, and I think I've referenced it before on here, if not, I'll say it again real quick, that 2008, for example, Texas beats Oklahoma when they're ranked number one in the Big 12, or excuse me, in the Red River rivalry. Too many R's. <laughs> Texas OU games easier to say. But Texas won 45 to 35 and was ranked for the next few weeks. And then they lost to Texas Tech on like a last second play, just a horrible nightmare of a game, right? Where they didn't play very well. They finally started kind of getting their stuff together towards the end and just couldn't, you know, defense couldn't hold. And after that, but meanwhile, Oklahoma's just running up the score, running up the score, running up the score. Every week they're playing Iowa State, they're scoring 65. Next week they're playing Kansas, they're scoring 67. Week after that, they're playing Kansas State. They're scoring 59. They were running up the score every week to show the polls and the BCS and everything. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Look, oh, Texas only won 45 to 12. Well, we won 65 to 3. So Stoops and Oklahoma would run up the score on anybody at any time. They did not care. Texas needs to adopt that mentality for the rest of Sark's tenure if he wants to keep this job. Keep running. Go in there like you're losing by two touchdowns, three touchdowns at halftime, even if you are winning by three touchdowns at halftime. Have that same mentality that we got to go out there, get after them, hit them in the mouth, keep scoring, get you know, get three and outs on defense, get turnovers on defense, score if you can on defense. Special teams give you great field position. You have to keep scoring. And if that means you got to run six, seven straight plays and run the ball and then a couple play actions here and there, who cares? 
who cares? I don't think anybody on that team right now, especially yours, would probably be the first one to say, I don't care if I only throw the ball 22 times. If I can complete 15 of them, or if we only throw it 18 times, if I complete 13 and we only throw for 217 yards, but I throw for three touchdowns, I'm sure he'll take that all day long. And then Bijan and Roshan are running it down their throat. And they're each getting, you know, they're running a combined 35 times for over 250 yards rushing. I think they'll t- anybody will take that. So adopt that mentality, Sarkeesian. Please stomp on their throat. Keep stomping on their throat. And don't stop until somebody says, hey, 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 game's over, game's over, stop. If they don't like it, the heck with sportsmanship. This is your job. It, it could be potentially on the line if you do not get the second half thing figured out. And it's really hard for the other team to come back if you keep scoring. And, again, the heck with sportsmanship, the heck with being nice, you're out there to win. You can't control the other team's effort. If they can't stop you, that's their fault. They should recruit better. They should coach better. Your Texas, if you're winning by 50 and they lose by 50, that's their problem, not yours. Do what you need to do. So, <sighs> just it'll get better. Hopefully, this week, op- this last weekend, open their eyes. They're getting this bad taste in their mouth, and they're like, "We we can't do this anymore." You need that leadership. You need these seniors. You need these guys to step up and say, "You know, I I can't leave. I can't leave this program with it being like this. I can't leave with this reputation anymore." They, you have to just take that on. You got to take that ownership. So. That that's that's what you want to see from this weekend, and that's what we're going to see in Kansas State here in a couple of weeks. So that's it for this one. As always, thank you so much for listening. My name has been I has been <laughs> my name is Greg Schnoes. This has been the Bevo Broadcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And again, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us that five star rating. We would most definitely be thankful when you doing so. Very much appreciated if you could do that favor for us. And I will talk to you again next week.